Thank you for joining us on a Morally Podcast with Tony May. Morally Podcast is purpose built for America. Through our military veterans and military supporters, we show that the values and qualities that built this country, such as service, sacrifice, respect, and faith, are not dead. A Morally Podcast builds community so individuals can improve their communities. Welcome to this week's Morally Podcast with Tony Main. I have a very special guest. I like to think of you, Sir Major Hall, and I say this with love. Like, you're my ranger buddy. It is so cool to be a part of an organization where if you serve and you serve to the best of your ability, we'll say that you can uh, just form some lifelong relationships. That's one thing neat about the Rangers is even, you know, even if you don't serve together, you, you have that bond, you're the same kind of people and you, you feel comfortable so, so quickly. It's, you know, it's one of the, one of the great secrets of, uh, of being in a Ranger battalion or being in the Rangers. Well, you said just said secrets, and that's what I kind of want to get out of you today. All the mission secrets. No, we won't do mission secrets. <laughs> what, what I would like to get out of is really your lessons learned. You do, you've done a lot of podcasts. Um, you, you've really taken the idea from, okay, we don't need to be silent, but we can be quiet and, and put ourselves out. And then you've talked about um, Ranger for Life, th- everything you're doing with Three Rangers Foundation. I really want to get into some of the things that you've succeeded at or, or failed at where a young service member, a young veteran could kind of learn and, and how that's helped you in your service and also now as a really a, a, vet, a veteran leader. So serving in the highest ranks um, as a command sergeant major within, within the Ranger Regiment, USASOC, JSOC, coming back to Afghanistan when General McChrystal called you back, when Ranger Hall right, was first at um, First Ranger Battalion, what was in your mind for what a successful military career was? Mm-hmm. Can you even remember back then of what, what, what was the, the, those goals back then? I do, because I was, you know, I was, I was going to be three years and get out, because, you know, in the mid-70s, it, you know, they were... Uh, the NCOs, you know, the officers, those were lifers, and that was a derogatory term. So I, I really had no aspirations of, of making the military career. It's just, it's a, it's a much longer story than this podcast, but I had no aspirations of making it a military career. I mean, my first three years was up. I enjoyed what I was doing. I had just gotten married. I thought, well, let's stable. You know, the economy wasn't so great. Uh, that would be 79-ish. The economy wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do another, let's do another, uh, another time. And... I never, I never got any money for reenlistment because I always, I always reenlisted, you know, present duty assignment, and at the time they weren't given no bonuses for re-upping for the for the Ranger battalions, and for whatever the minimum amount of time I could possibly do because I was always going to get out. So, you know, you get reenlistment bonuses for for doing things that the Army wants you to do or for time, and I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't get anything. But uh, you know, I just I enjoy what I, I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the the job satisfaction of being around people that truly cared about each other. And you know, everybody thinks uh, the the Rangers are very disciplined and it's very chain of command. And that's it's true. But you know, what's different there than than not all organizations, obviously. But what's different there is you you earn your respect every day. It doesn't matter if you're the private or the sergeant or the or the regimental commander. You you earn that respect every day, and that mutual respect is is uh, 
what makes it so special. And you know, you're always striving to get better, but you're not striving to get better personally. You're striving to get better because there's so much pressure to take care of you know the, the folks that, that that you've been privileged to lead. You just don't want to let them down. And you know, I don't know how many times, and I know you've experienced this yourself as a leader. You know, uh, people didn't fear you. You know, but you know, I just didn't want to let you down. And that was that's that's the ultimate. It's the ultimate compliment for a leader. But at the same time, it's boy, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I want to know how you dealt with that pressure. Then let's kind of go into the lessons learned. Uh, what, what point in your career were you married? Uh, I was married uh, two years into the army. So two years joined in '78 and uh, or joined in '76, and we got married in '78. Yeah. How much did that play into looking at your reenlistment in shorter periods because of that that kind of life or stigma? That was there a lot of communication going on between you and your wife, and because we've seen all different sides of how that kind of looks at with yeah. some families. A little bit different time. Uh, Brenda was actually, you know, we met after we were both delayed enlistment. She was mm-hmm. delayed enlistment for the Navy, and I was delayed enlistment for the Army. She ended up down at Mayport, which, by my calculations, was an hour and fifty-nine minutes away from. Uh, we we're, were still at Fort Stewart then. It was an hour and fifty-nine minutes away, so I could go see her because we had the two-hour requirement, but. Uh, you know, we made the decision she was going to get out because you know she was going to be the mom and 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 do all that kind of thing. We you know we had been working to have a family you know for, since we got married and that was that's the way it was. I mean, so you got married to have a family, and you know, that was very much our, our mindset. Uh, but you know, I, I, I just you, you didn't look at the military, the army as a professional career. You know, you, you know you didn't you didn't wear you didn't wear you weren't allowed to wear a uniform off post. And you know, it turned into something later in life. But you weren't allowed to wear your your, your uniform off post because it was coming off of Vietnam. It was coming off of Vietnam, and, and it wasn't. You know, the chain of command said, "I'm not going to put our soldiers in that in that position." You know, so that was the attitude then, and, and so it wasn't it wasn't something that you were going to look at and do 20 or 30 years, and we were going to get out and go back to Ohio and uh, work for Ford Motor Company or or uh, uh, you know U.S. Steel or something like that. Maybe you know. I, Never really wanted to go to college, but see, back then in, in Northeast Ohio, you didn't have to go to college because you could, again, you could work for one of the big companies and you uh, you could live pretty comfortable. You, I mean, you really could, uh, you know, the heyday of, of the unions and all that. So that's what we were going to do. And so it was, it was always a family decision. I mean, she never wanted me to stay in the Army. I mean, she was very supportive of, of what I did and, and proud. But, you know, ironically, you know, we, you know, she... All these years were together, and you know the 20 years of, of, of my life spent in the in the Rangers. You know, if you ask her what do you do in the Rangers, she said, "Well, well, he was a first sergeant, he was a sergeant major." Yeah, but what do you do in the Rangers? She couldn't tell you, and uh, you know, and that's, I, you know, because it's it's hard to explain. But she was, you know, very supportive, and it's 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 sometimes awkward sometimes when you know people would ask her, "Ah, oh, what did Mike do in the Army?" Well, he was a Ranger. Well, what do they do? Well. They do ranger. They jump out of planes. They jump out of planes. Horrible, horrific haircuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know she didn't like it. I mean, we reached a point very early in our life where I was not allowed to tell her that we were going out to do live fires or we were going out to jump because it terrified her. So you know I would come back and and say, oh you know what you know you've been gone for two weeks. What'd you do? Oh, we did this. We did that. Walked around in the swamps. We did it. You know we jumped into Taylor's Creek. We walked back to Garrison. You know thirty miles. Oh okay. 
And so I could tell her afterwards what I did, but I was never allowed to tell her, you know, that, hey, we, you know, we got to jump this week or we got to jump tonight. So it took a long, long time for her to uh, accept that. Uh, that you know, those, those are things that, uh, that, that worried her about, about that. But yeah, so we were going to go back and uh, it, was, it was always a family decision. But again, that was a different era, you know, the, the, the woman follows the wife, you know, the, you know, the, the woman follows the man, man and, sure. you know, and, and uh, she had aspirations to, uh, to be a journalist at the time and, you know, she wanted to be a professional also, but, but at the end of the day she was going to follow me and, and do what I wanted to do, which is, which is pretty neat. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good model as long as both people understand the parameters of it and, you know, one doesn't abuse the other's uh, dreams, so. Well, tell me, how much does that play into now when you look at um, the priorities with creating Rangers for Life, you know, a network of, of service, mentorship, and then giving back, kind of a holistic approach. You're always, and we just talked about how to combine spouses. Is that a little bit from your own experience? It's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely, you know, Two things, two things always drove me, and that was not not letting not not letting the men that, that that work for me down. But the other thing that drove me is is my wife, my my, my uncles, uh, my mom, my grandma. You know, they were they were so proud of me. So that was the other thing. Uh, and again, you, you couldn't explain to people what you did. You know, and back then you just you know you had the big opset thing. You know, you weren't even allowed to own cameras. You know, those kind of things. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, but that, that was another thing that, that, that drove me was, you know, they were, they were pretty proud of me. I, I could, they didn't quite understand, but they were proud of me and I thought that was pretty neat. And, uh, you know, sometimes they say, well, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? And I don't know. I just, you know, I did, you didn't talk to them, but they were still proud of you, you know, of serving. And of course, uh, you know, they, they'd come from a culture where, where service was, was important. They hadn't been, they, you know, they were, they were a generation, my uncle, my, my one uncle served in Vietnam in the Navy and, and my other uncle was pre-Vietnam, but you know, they hadn't really, that part of the country wasn't touched by the, you know, the, the, the Vietnam, uh, you know, the things that were going on with Vietnam. They were still very supportive of the mail and they were proud of people that, that served. You know, they always wanted to know when I was going to be a drill sergeant, when I was going to get promoted to lieutenant, but... Uh. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I think we all kind of suffer from that a little yeah. bit. So, talked about family, your wife, and something that I feel sometimes we don't talk about enough though is the, the faith component of it. Now you're very active um, with your church. Uh, I think when you see a young ranger, I think if you're doing your mental calculus of, of, of their fitness level, it's something that we would kind of want to know, we'd, we'd want to think about. How important was your faith during your time? Is that something that you grew into? Did you have it when you came in? How's that kind of developed? And so second part, how does that play now in, in, in the work that, that you do for free mm -hmm. um, and, and helping rangers today? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I grew up Catholic it's because you were, I mean. Because you were, because you grew up. Because I was. Because you, yeah. you were born that way. And, uh, you know, you, you went through the system. You know, mm -hmm. the Catholic Church is very structured in, in many ways. And you went through the system. And, of course, that was, that's probably, you know, some of the, sometimes the problem with the Catholic Church is so, it's so structured. And I did like a lot of kids is, you know, once I got away from, you know, worrying about, you know, whether grandma know if I went to, my, my, my mom didn't go. Uh, again, because she had been divorced, and back then, if you're Catholic and you're divorced, you know you were personal non grata. That really wasn't the 
that really wasn't the church's position. That was certain, mostly lay people's position. But uh, but then you know, once I joined the service, I mean, I was you know, it was on your dog tags. I don't know. Sure. If, I don't know if it still is, but you know, it was on your dog tags. And I would say I was a Catholic, but I certainly didn't go to mass. And then and then at a at a at a certain point, we we're getting ready to. Uh, we got spun up to invade somewhere down in Africa, like 78, 79, I forget what it was. <laughs> and we we're going to go jump into somewhere in the middle of Africa and do something. And uh, the chaplain, we happened to have a, we happened to have a Catholic chaplain in, in 175 at the time. And he said, who wants to do confession? I thought, hey, I should probably go do that. <laughs> Now's a good time. Now's a good time. <laughs> and. Uh, so you know that's when that, that's when it sort of changed a little bit, and then in '82 when my son was born, he was born in '83. When, when he was born, you know, we decided you know Brenda was not a Catholic, but we decided well we should we should we should bring him up in some religion. Uh, you know, I I think I'd like to go back to start going to mass. So he ended up uh, you know so we ended up going going to to mass again, and they you know my my religion kept going. And, but you know, when I looked around and I got to know my senior leaders more, I mean, not all of them were, were you wouldn't think of them as, as church-going, uh, religious people who were driven by spirituality, but, but when you got down and you, and you had these conversations, or like you and I are talking, you realize that, especially, you know, all these Vietnam veterans that, you know, that had such a reputation, you found out how important faith was to them. And, 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 and every leader I looked at, Every good leader I looked at had a had a faith, you know, a faith-based uh, consciousness that, that you know drove them. That and he looked at it and said, maybe that's why that's part of the reason they're good leaders is is you know that that kind of faith. Just you know, you have to have you know the army asks you, the rangers ask you to do some really crazy and stupid things that are very dangerous. And you know, if you don't if you don't have faith that there's something something after this. I'm not sure why you, why you do that sometimes, and uh, so that's certainly not the case with everybody. But sure, boy, but I think at some point it comes to all of us, and uh, it comes to all of us at different points. And there's some, usually some kind of significant emotional event. You know, it took me a couple times. It took it took that operation. You know, sitting on the airfield, all loaded up with live ammo, and then and then the birth of my son, who was born with spina bifida, and. And uh, you know that 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 also you know strengthened my faith there, realizing that you know that was you know true healing is only going to come through you know through through God. So you know those those kind of things, and you know he's still alive, doing well, and you know that's yeah, it's medical miracles, but you know he he works, you know he works works through those medical people. So yeah, and uh, but but I, I, I you know. Whether you go to church or not, it's not important to me either. Uh, you know, what religion you are isn't important to me. Whether you're Christian or not isn't important to me. But I think everybody has to have that faith, and that's that's impossible to, you know, the Catholic Church has been trying to define it for 2,000 years, you know, and still really haven't, uh, you know. But but I think you have to have faith, you know, that there, there is something after life. Because life is short, we all die. We guaranteed. All die. It's guaranteed. 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 And uh, so, you know, that that's another thing that drove me is, is Every time you think, well, you know, should I do this or not do that? You know, in the back of your mind, it's going to go, and you know what? Just like the army, you know, it's whatever you do is going to catch up to you someday. So you better be careful what you do. And uh, you know, I, I think you know, being able to, you know, taking care of, you know, being your brother's keeper, I think is is very key to that. And it sort of goes back to the army's philosophy of, you know, your true satisfaction comes from being able to take care of people you have an opportunity to help. And uh, so.
Well, I, I think, you know, we talked about family, faith, it's just foundational. If, if you, you have some type of faith, I feel like you can better define that you have a place in this world. And if you're part of a community, I, I think that matters. And as you look at your service in terms of stability, one thing that you focus on now, it's something that I think is very hard for the military active duty component to focus on because it becomes a touchy personal subject and it's not faith, it's personal finances. Mm -hmm. And we have a wealth of opportunity in the military with, with guaranteed pay, promotion schedules. We, we are a uh, financial planner's almost dream if we were committed to it but what have you seen that have kept people from doing it um not doing it what was your personal experiences because you you listened when someone tried to give you advice yeah years ago yeah i, I listened for a couple reasons i mean i, I uh you know my dad left when i was two or three years old went through a, a couple of very very bad stepdaddies. so I, I grew up i grew up on welfare and you know and so i knew i knew what it was to do without i mean we lived in you know they used to be called the projects uh, I think we call them government subsidized housing. housing. Yeah, but uh, our projects didn't look like governance. You know, the, the, the government subsidized housing that you see nowadays. So you know, finances was always very, very important to me because I didn't, I never wanted to go back to some of the embarrassing things that, that I lived through. I remember, I remember in, in, in we were in gym class and I was I don't know fourth or fifth grade and I had these old, old Chuck Taylors, the old high tops and. Uh, they were, she had, my mom had gotten them from some Goodwill or whatever, and they had holes at the bottom of them. So we were up, you know, doing handstands or something, you know, and some kid walked by and, you know, see, you know, could, now they could see the holes at the bottom of my shoes, you know, but there's a whole lot of, a whole lot of things like that. You know, you, you finally get up and I wasn't a good athlete, but I was an athlete, you know, and earned my varsity letter and, and varsity jackets were a big deal. Sure. Sure. Varsity jackets, very expensive leather sleeves. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I never wanted to go back there. So you know, when when I was uh, I'd gotten back from Ranger School and I'd been made corporal, and my lieutenant called me in and and said, he said, uh, "Are you going to reenlist?" And I said, "No, sir." <laughs> and he goes, "Well, if you you know, if you start saving money for when you get out, you know, for that transition period, no." And he goes, I'm, this, 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 he said, "This is what you're going to do." wasn't much listening he said he said you're gonna you're gonna take an allotment of fifty dollars a lot of money in 1990 yeah, yeah, back then money. so you're gonna take an allotment of fifty dollars you're gonna put it in a savings account this is when savings account made money and i said he said uh you know and so you're gonna build up you know so when you transition out you'll have a, a little bit of nest egg to take care of you and your family and uh, i did that and i mean that that concept is something i carried on i mean i've subsequently you know to that i i did some other things always very conservative but you know, uh, you know, I, I took advice, and there was many other times uh, along my career path where, where people talked to me about my finances, and, and and were you more receptive because you'd already started to do yeah, that? Because, so now it becomes just like looking at the box score for the Indians every day. It's like, oh, I kind of wonder because I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it turned out well, you know, and come time for our son to go to college, and you know, we didn't have to take out a loan. We were able to, you know, to balance that and do it because I had some good advice. It's not you know I didn't make you know I don't I don't do stocks and bonds, you know so that's good for some people and I got some good friends that have made a, lot, a ton of money on that but that's just wasn't for me but you know we put our, our, our son through and and uh, without without having to take a loan and and uh, we always you know we reached a point very quickly where we paid cash for every car we had and because you know I, again I grew up without credit cards and you know grew out with uh, you know with you know 
I did a lot of things with layaways. That's something I don't think any businesses do anymore, but you know, layaways and things like that. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, I took that advice and, and was very frugal about it and listened to people. And, and uh, you know, so when it come time to, when I, when I finally did transition, I was very comfortable financially to transition. I remember going to my financial advisor, you know, as, as I retired the first time. And, you know, there's, there's those three pillars of, you know, financial wellness and success. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, hey, you've checked all these. So you don't have to work if you don't want to. Of course, you got to work. You can't retire from something. You got to retire to something, you know. But but listen, all, you know, all this on you know what I call an army sergeant's pay, and uh, because you know that and and having that and you know having that insurance in my back pocket, you know that that's one of the things that said, you know, oh, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not worried about a realistic bonus, you know, because I, I had a financial plan. I can I can go in or I can stay out. You know, I, I, could, I, could, I could stay in or I could get out. Mm -hmm. I didn't worry about, I didn't have to worry about money because, you know, I had a plan and I, I knew I had a secure plan and of course it was based on, you know, taking care of my family too, but, you know, having that, that, having that security of having a financial plan, you know, then I could, you know, I'm having fun being a ranger. Yeah, I stick around and do it some more because there's, there's no hurry to get out. I'm not going to get rich, but, but I'm not going to go back and live on welfare either. Just amazing. So, oh my goodness. Oh my, what a great lesson for now the modern day ranger who does get paid to and, scale a little and bit. And I gotta interrupt you one more thing oh, I'm is, sorry. now is, you know, there were people in the army back then, that's the only reason they joined the army is they needed that paycheck. But you know, that never entered into it. It wasn't, you know, I'm gonna stay in the army because I need that paycheck, you know, even though I didn't want to go back on welfare, but that was never a factor. Although for, you know, a lot of guys, I, it frustrates me when I hear someone say, you, you know, how long are you going to stay in the Army? I'm going to stay in the Army until they kick me out. You're staying in the Army for the wrong reason. You know, because I need that paycheck. You're in the Army for the wrong reason. And none of those guys were ever in any unit I was in, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, they're, yes, yeah. They're, where their leadership, which yeah. is what the Army desires, becomes very apparent very yeah. quickly. Yeah. So I want to want to end with one final question. And this is from a story that you told me I can't remember if you said it was at a Ranger Rendezvous or it was almost a Commander's Roundtable, what they used to have before Commander's Roundtable, and you're the Regimental Sergeant Major of the 75th Ranger Regiment, and you have your other Command Sergeant Majors around you, and you look around and you think, how did I get, what are we doing here? Yeah. How, how, how did Ranger Hall become the RSM? Yeah, that, that's more, more time we have, but the background was General Tagney, uh, wonderful special forces officer was the commanding general of USASOC at the time and and uh, it's probably McChrystal well probably wasn't my idea but he had this idea that we wanted to put physical therapists down at battalion level and he wanted to put you know basically sports sports physiologists is that the right word down at battalion level and of course nobody in the army did that I mean the unit of Bragg might have done something similar to that but so we, we, you know, so he says, he says, Sergeant Major, you know, you know, we talked about it and I was all for it because, you know, I'd been, you know, at the time I had about 20 years in the regiment and people won't believe this, but that was really, really unusual in the mid nineties for anyone to have that, that amount of time. When, when I went to ROTC duty in 83, I had six, six and a half years in battalion. The next closest guy to me had like four years in battalion. You know, so you didn't stay there forever back then. Well, it wasn't set up originally. To no, it wasn't. And, the rest of the and, army, and, and yep. it was very, very physically demanding. We, of course, it was dumb physical stuff. 
That's why people got broken, they couldn't come back. So I, you know, I briefed General Tagney and he goes, you know, and I've, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for Tagney. And he goes, yeah, yeah, hey, you know, come on. I mean, you got those facilities on post, you know, you don't get this stuff down at battalion level. I mean, that's what the army provides, that kind of stuff. And I looked at General Tagney and I said, I said, I said, sir, I said, look around this room. You got me and you got three Ranger Battalion Sergeant Majors, best infantry Sergeant Majors in the entire army, in the entire world, right? And he goes, yeah, you know, I, I think so. I said, no, we're not the best. I said, we're the four survivors. And uh, he looked at his aide and he said, you know, he said, he said, he said, get, you know, tell the staff we're going to approve this. But, you know, uh, but I've always felt that because, you know, even, even when I became the regimental SAR major, because I was not a, a Ranger Battalion SAR major. I, I made SAR major. There's only one SAR major in each battalion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went to the 101st and uh, with the CSM there and loved it. Uh, had a, just a great time. And then, uh, you know, Colonel Lezinski called me back and said, we'd like you to be the compete to be the regimental SAR major. And it was me and, and two, other, two other guys. And uh, two guys that I knew. Uh, one I have, you know, one I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And, Who's definitely a better non-commissioned officer than I was, and then and then another guy, but uh, you know, but physically, you know, I, I, I was able to do it, and, you know, and, and and they weren't quite ready to do it, and uh, I had no relationship with with Colonel Lazinski. I'm not sure where he got my name from or whatever, but but really, I mean, looking around, there wasn't a whole lot of people to choose from, and that's it was about that time, you know, we all, you know, the Rangers now live by this creed, you know, from the from the regimental commander to the private, everybody meets the same standard. It wasn't always like that, but uh, it was it was around that time in the mid '90s where General Liz Colonel Lazinski at the time said, "You don't know, no, we're all going to meet the same standard." And I had always lived with that philosophy, but that was not a regimental policy. That, that, that really that wasn't regimentally enforced. There's a bunch of old broke rangers who probably should have been doing something else, but they weren't contributing. So uh, you know that. That that's that's when that started of uh, you know that and and that's that's what sort of cold things out and you hate to say something like physiology you know determined you know the the upward swing and then of course McChrystal was very very physical you know and reinforced it also but you know that's that's when that you know that really changed the it really changed the the leadership of the regiment not not all just running fools PT studs but it it, it changed the kind of people. The kind of leaders that that uh, that stayed in the regiment, and, that, and of course, that all started with getting smarter and and uh, really start taking truly taking care of people instead of being the. When I first got there, we were known as the Dixie Cup Battalion. You know, do your eighteen. It was an eighteen month tour. Do your eighteen months. You know, you know, assignment, move out, go do something else. That's that's Abrams Charter. So mm -hmm. it's changed much more since that. So. Lewis, I think you can take further, faster, fight harder. Once you put smarter on top of that, yeah, I think that's kind of hopefully yeah. that seems to be the trend where we're at now. How yeah, can you keep somebody? How can you keep somebody longer? They're smarter with that same passion, for sure. And I, I want to thank you. Our time has come to a close, Sergeant Major. Thank you for taking time to tell us a little bit, very personable uh, story about yourself. I mean, co coming from welfare, making making do on a sergeant's pay at a time when p most people wouldn't want to stay in the army and story of perseverance. And when you look now for any modern day service members watching this, you got a great opportunity currently. There's a lot of things out there for you, but you got to want to be a leader uh, to do it. Yeah. And you, you got to take the initiative yourself. You got to figure out what your goals are, but 
Uh, you know, if, if you want to do good in the Army, whatever job you're put in, do it well, and I guarantee you it's going to get recognized, and, and uh, you're going to be able to take care of yourself and take care of your family by just taking care of other people. So, our Majors, thank you once again. And thank you for joining us with the More Elite Podcast with Tony Main. We're just trying to inject the principles of the Army Ranger for holistic fitness into America. And you heard about finances, you heard a little bit about faith, you heard about some of the soft skill things from a leader who's lived it. So we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, take the rest of your day to try to do something positive for someone else. We hope you enjoyed a Morley podcast with Tony May, and we appreciate your viewership. If you'd like to hear more from Tony or one of his guests, you can view or listen to past episodes at TonyMain.Podbean.com. Until next time, be a community builder for America.